Ephesians 3 and Matthew 2. Matthew 2, children, is a reflection of the hymn we just sang, As with Gladness Men of Old, as is Ephesians 3 in another way. But give your attention to God's Word. First, the epistle for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you word, or towards you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which, this mystery of Christ, in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Namely, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent, or so that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Amen. And the Gospel. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily or privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Amen. Grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. 
Did you know that God keeps secrets? God keeps secrets. Children, you've probably been told by your parents, no secrets in this house. They're right about that. Don't disobey. And when I say that God keeps secrets, I don't mean that he keeps things from you that you need to know. I don't mean that God has permission to sin, but you don't. There are different types of secrets. He tells you in Holy Scripture that everything he has to give you has indeed been revealed. There is more in his infinite knowledge that he has not revealed than he has. But you know what you need to know from him, and you know it in his word and through the book of nature. The type of secrets that God keeps, though, they come with hints, even really big ones at times. Maybe it's better to say, as Paul does in Ephesians 3, that God hides things. But he uses it in Ephesians 3 in the past tense. God has hidden something in himself, the text says. It's hard to quite understand what it means for God to hide something in himself, for he doesn't wear a jacket and put things in his pocket. He doesn't insert things into his body, for he is a spirit, and he has no body. But God said it through Paul, and therefore we believe it and try to understand. This particular hidden thing, that Paul speaks about in Ephesians 3 is no longer hidden. This secret, children, has been told. The secret is out. Paul even says, to show some of the difference between the Old Testament and New, that this secret of God was not made known to people in the past in the same way that it has been made known now. When he says it's not been made known in the past, he immediately accents it with the fact that it's not been made known in the way that it has been made known in the New Testament. That is to say that the Old Testament does speak of this secret of God, this mystery. But what is God's secret? Better, what was God's secret? It is Jesus Christ and his worldwide salvation. Jesus Christ and his worldwide salvation is the secret the mystery, the hidden in God. Think about it for a moment. Paul says that it has been revealed now in a way that it wasn't before. Not that it wasn't revealed in any way, but that Christ was hidden in God. As John 1 says, that he was in the bosom of the Father. And with the coming of Christ, the, the mystery, the secret has been revealed. God saves Men and women, boys and girls from all the nations. Gentiles just means nations. Nations other than Israel. And when I say Israel, think in terms of the Old Testament, not the modern news. God had promised salvation from the beginning. Even as early as Genesis 3, the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. He would strike a blow, not to the heel, but to the head. Satan would strike the heel, but Christ would strike the head. Indeed, a fatality. God confined that promise, though not exclusively, but primarily to those who participated in the Exodus. Those who descended from Abraham according to the flesh. 
But through his mysterious working, he was protecting this mystery that would be revealed. He confined the protection of this promised seed to one nation. But there were always hints of there being more to it. It was revealed, but to use a word from our men's Bible study, very much as a shadow. Now, with the coming of Christ, we live in the reality. We know what the Lord was hinting at. It was chiefly his son, the Lord Jesus. But also, as Paul says, the inclusion of the nations through him. The ultimate purpose was never one nation. It was all nations. And in Christ, that has been shown as never before. It has been made more clear. Children, it's almost as if there was a sign in the Old Testament, a lit sign that was not turned on until the New Testament. Then the light switch is really clear. One writer has described the Old Testament. I've used this illustration before. But the Old Testament and the New Testament are really one house. Just in the Old Testament, the lights are off. And you bump into the furniture, you're not quite sure what it is, but in the New Testament, the lights are on. For we read of this all the way back in the time of Abraham, the main guy after Noah and the flood to receive the Lord's redemption. Remember this story in the calling of Abram to begin the restoration of all nations to the Lord. The Lord promised to Abraham, the father of all the faithful, Not that one nation would be blessed through him, but that all of them would be blessed through him. What exactly is it that led that nation where the promised one was protected to view themselves in the way they did when the Lord Jesus arrived on the scene? Because let's be honest, things were not good. You could point to many things, but they all began and end with the first commandments. The Old Testament people and nation of the Lord chose to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. They were judged, disciplined, and exiled repeatedly. When the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus, arrives, very few of them seem to be ready. Again, you can point to many reasons and examples in the Old Testament, but they all really begin and end with apostasy from the Lord, idolatry. They left the Lord. And only remnants of the true religion remained among them. Yet amidst this, if they were a building, it was but dust. Amidst this dust of a building, some of that dust had been scattered to the east. The men who came from the east to worship Christ, the newborn king, they were not from the protected nation. But they'd obviously heard of the one who was to be born among them. They quote from Scripture. Possibly because that's, they were from the place where Daniel had served as a prophet. Added to the fact as well, the, the details about the star, maybe children, they were astrologers. And you have in the perfect providence of God. Think about this for just a moment. The perfect providence of God. An ancient preparation for this specific event recorded At the birth of Christ. If those people had not gone into exile in the east. The wise men. Would likely have never come. All of that was orchestrated because God's people disobeyed him. 
What man meant for evil, God meant for good. That doesn't mean their disobedience was good, but that God overcomes evil with good. He overcomes you. God sent his people into exile. And the place that those three men came from is very likely that place. That's one of the traditional takes on the passage. The the disciplining of God's people turned into salvation for the nations. What a mystery. What a profound concept. And I would imagine that this is part of the reason that Paul refers to Christ and his salvation to all nations being the hidden mystery that had now been revealed. Maybe Paul was thinking about Matthew chapter 2. The depths of sin that the people had driven themselves into had done what sin always does. They had become self-absorbed. We know they were self-absorbed because when Christ confronts them with the Scriptures, they don't know them. They were not following the Scriptures. Christ said if they had, they would have believed in Him. You see, the religion that Christ confronted during His earthly ministry was a totally new religion. It was novel. It was made by men. It was a bastardization of the truth. And because of the depths into which they plunged themselves, you can see why it might take God becoming man to prove the point. They were that far plunged into sin and idolatry. For Paul to teach what he taught, he's not declaring that the Old Testament is wrong. He was declaring that this had been the plan all along. Though it was hidden until Christ's coming, it was the plan. It's hard for us to grasp this about salvation going to the nations. We think about it in terms of like modern missions and stuff like that. And that's, of course, <coughs> excuse me, an implication. But these people lived in days when nations were still open about the gods that they served. All nations still have a God or gods. All nations then had a God or gods. You live in this place, you worship that God or those gods. Nation and religion really is this bound together. Even today, no matter how much some may deny it. But what the unfaithful Old Testament people had was a double pill to swallow, a double dose. Their leadership nearly to a man, had gotten the Scriptures wrong. Christ's confrontations over and over again are with the leaders of the people, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And they are the ones who killed Him. That's the first pill, or the first dose. The second one, the God whom they were supposed to be worshiping and serving, that they claimed was their own God, was now also becoming the God of all nations. What a concept. Paul was a prisoner for the gospel on behalf of this truth. On behalf of the truth that Paul, who was a Hebrew of Hebrews, was going to be used by God to bring the gospel to the nations. Not on behalf of the Old Testament people, but for the rest of the world. He is... An apostle to the Gentiles, a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles, for the nations. Imagine having that big of a vision of the mission that God has given you. Your work would 
in some way be one of the first notches in the belt of heaven. You would be the first of many instruments that God Most High would use to declare what he had hidden but now revealed in Jesus Christ in order to bring salvation to the nations. The salvation that has come to us in Christ is not a lesser salvation than what is promised in the Old Testament. It is such a salvation that enables us to read the Old Testament scriptures and say, those are our fathers, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The gospel does not break down or destroy nations through their believing it. It sanctifies nations into the holiness that the Lord has intended for them and has now enabled them to achieve through his Son. The promises, the glory, the redemption laid out in the Old Testament is yours, dear church. You are fellow heirs and of the same body because you have received this promise of God through Jesus Christ. In another passage where Paul says there's no longer Jew nor Greek or Jew nor Gentile, as some translations say, what he means is that there's no advantage any longer to being one or the other. He's not using, again, either term in the modern sense. He's referring to those who were within the covenant, the Old Testament people, and those who were out of the covenant before Christ, those who were aliens and strangers. Those standings no longer provide any advantage. None. Today, an unbeliever is an unbeliever. And a believer is a believer. It is in Christ that all are made one. There will be no unity of man. Like those weird songs from the hippie days sing. There will be no unity of man in this age that the scriptures speak of, though so many try and aim at it through various unrighteous measures. Christ was hidden in God. In God. What does that even mean? Hidden in God. But he also says in Colossians 3 that we are hidden with Christ in God ourselves. That is the mystery that has been revealed. This ministry that has led Paul to prison, he says, is a grace that has been given. And I pray that we would view the burdens that come our way with bearing God's grace the same way. Think about the type of man that it takes to say that. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He's not bitter. This is a dispensation of the grace of God. Can you say with Paul, we can rephrase his his sentence to make it where it applies to everyone. Unto me, who am the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should fill in the blank, whatever you do. Can you say that? Unto me. That all of us should be able to say that we are the least of all the saints. If you can't say that, you haven't begun to take the first step in Christianity. Unto you is this grace given that you should endure what Christ has given you to endure by his grace. Paul endeavors to make all that the Lord had given him 
to come to participate in this mystery. The mystery that is Jesus Christ revealed for the salvation of all nations. God is becoming the God of all nations. Though this mystery had been hidden in God, the same Jesus Christ who created all things is declared to you. He is not an invented Savior. He is not an alternative plan. His being revealed was the point all along. Even from the beginning, he's always been there. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's always been there. The revealing of Jesus Christ doesn't just relate to the earthly realm, though. Paul speaks about, though hard for us to grasp, that it relates to the heavenly places. As we read through that, it almost sounds like Paul wants you to think that this is the ultimate point. But he includes the church in it. So as we come to this, this final point, as it were, know this is the second result of the revealing of the mystery of Jesus Christ, who was hidden in God. Maybe you could go back and add it to our list earlier. Christ is... The hidden purpose of God, that's the chief thing. And then there's like two sub-points. The first one is to save the nations, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the second was that it might be shown in heavenly places to the principalities and powers there. How is it made known? By the existence of the church. By the existence of the church, the preservation of a people of God, what Christ has done is declared in the heavenly places. Our minds can't even fathom this. We can't even see the place. But God says it is so. That is how the manifold wisdom of God is shown to the heavenly places. Your assembling today is a many times over-repeated flex of God to the heavenly places. You join in declaring Jesus Christ and what He has done to powers that you cannot see. But this is also not new. As Paul tells you, this is all according to the eternal purpose of God. That is manifold multitudinous wisdom. Everything has happened just as God had determined in His eternal purpose and it's been brought about in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the revealed mystery. But He also accomplishes God's eternal purpose. And it is no wonder then that Paul says it is in Christ that we have boldness and access with confidence. That nations are to have no doubts as to their standing before God in Christ. You're not missing anything. You're not receiving less. You're not second-class citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You are co-heirs in God through Christ. 
And it is because of the greatness of this salvation that Paul says, do not worry at my tribulations for you. It comes with the territory. Christ is worth it. He's conquering and saving all the nations of the world. The God of heaven and earth. It's as if Paul says the God of heaven and earth had a secret and he has shared it with me. But that's not just what Paul can say. It's what you can say. Children, you know how it feels to, you know, hear a secret. You kind of feel really important. Imagine that God has one secret and he's told you. That's what's happened in Jesus Christ. The one ultimate secret of God has been revealed to you in Jesus Christ. There is no greater mystery to be known. There is no greater redemption to experience. All of your tribulations as a believer are for the good of those whom the Lord has given you. I'm going to take you right now and place you in the place of the Apostle Paul. Not as, not as an apostle, but as one who labors on behalf of others because of the grace of God that has given you. First, you fathers, your family is a grace to you, and all that you endure for them is a participation in this. You husbands, same for you, and your wife being given to you. Mothers, that's you and those babies, those whom you labor on behalf of. They're the grace that God has given to you through Jesus Christ, to endure, not in a burdensome way, for the commandments of God are not burdensome. Children, that's you too. As you live even for the saints here, in Psalm 16 it says that David found all his delight in the saints. I can't remember who it was I was talking with in this congregation about that, but they applied that to how... The joy that our children have. <clears throat> Together as the saints, he says, for in the saints are all my delight. Your life, dear children, is purpose for us all. Just as ours is purpose for yours. <clears throat> Excuse me. When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. And you didn't stumble into this salvation that some weak God scrambled together in order to make himself not look so bad. You benefit from the unsearchable riches of Christ as part of God's eternal plan from before time began. Think about that. From before time began. From before there were clocks. It was God's purpose to bring you into Christ and to be here today. This should fill your hearts with joy that Paul clearly 
displays on the pages of Scripture. His sufferings were joy. Our sufferings are joy. His imprisonment for, was for the welfare of others. He was imaging the Savior so that you could come to know Him. Repenting of your sin and then bringing others to know Him as well. And as you prepare to come to His table, the table of the one who is the eternal purpose of God. Know that this meal is yours by invitation. And that invitation has come to you because God has shared his secret with you. Thanks be to God that Christ is no longer hidden in God, but rather you are hidden with Christ in him. Amen.